0: Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show.
2: Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. James Blind is producing today's program, Clark Hilton is engineering. Later in the program, James Blind will join me to talk about, well, an announcement. KPDQ is sponsoring a special event. We want you to be the first to know. He'll join me later in the program today. We'll also talk about the upcoming event that uh, is taking place tomorrow. That is the Freedom Rally. This is the sixth annual. I had originally arranged an interview with uh, Kristen Wagoner, Senior Vice President of the U.S. Legal uh, Division of Alliance Defending Freedom. She is one of four speakers, along with a special guest, at the event tomorrow. Uh, We had some difficulty uh, technically, so that interview didn't take place, but we'll give you all the important details for that event coming up tomorrow. Uh, Registration begins at 11. Well, I have to say that I began the day today driving out to Salem and spent some time at Corbin University, and what an encouragement that was. You know, I came to speak at the chapel, and while I did have the opportunity to do that, I came away just full of gratitude and encouragement, and the young people that I met there, along with the the staff and faculty, just blessed me. And if you don't know much about Corbin University, let me encourage you to check them out, because they're doing some remarkable work there. And uh, I was so honored uh, to be invited to come. So thank you to my family over at uh, Corbin University. As is uh, usually the case, we want to start with a few of the top news stories as they developed throughout the day. And there are several things in what uh, may be the most far-reaching proposal to ever be considered in Congress. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she's now just referred to as AOC, unveiled her Green New Deal on Thursday. It's a government-led Overhaul of virtually every aspect of American life that would guarantee a host of taxpayers covered benefits for all and phase out fossil fuels. Cows, airplanes, and cars. However, the freshman lawmaker sparked confusion when she seemingly contradicted herself in a span of 12 hours on a nature of the government's role in that massive plan. Uh, AOC's office says the plan would aim to make air travel obsolete, upgrade, or replace every building in America to ensure energy efficiency and give economic security even to those unwilling to work. The proposal, which calls for a massive package of big government proposals, including health care for all, quickly picked up uh, the backing of major 2020 presidential um, hopefuls on the Democrat side of the ticket, including Senators Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren, along with Cory Booker, all uh, who are co-sponsors of that resolution. And Virginia's nine congressional Democrats issued a joint statement late yesterday restating that Governor Ralph Northam should rev- resign, rather, over a blackface photograph in his medical school yearbook, but stopping short of calling for Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax to step down over an allegation of sexual assault from 2004. Well, since that time, there's been a second allegation and calls for him to step down elsewhere. Well, the statement from Senators Tim Kaine and Mark Warner, Representatives Donald McEachin and Bobby Scott, Jerry Connolly, Don Bayer, Elaine Laura, Abigail Spanberger, and Jennifer Wexton— also did not demand the resignation of the state's Attorney General, Mark Herring, who also admitted this week to doing the same, wearing blackface at a college party in 1980. Well, the lawmaker's statement noted that Herring had reached out and expressed remorse, and in the controversy involving Fairfax, lawmakers said they found the allegations disturbing and respect the right of the alleged sex assault victim, now victims, to come forward. However, they wanted to wait to learn more about the claims made by Fairfax accuser, Scripps College Associate Professor Vanessa Tyson. So now due process has once again been elevated as necessary when accusations have been posed against someone favorable to that end of the political ledger. Well, Amazon founder and Washington Post owner Jeff Bezos wrote a scathing letter to American Media Inc., or AMI, the parent company of the National Enquirer, on Thursday, accusing the tabloid of threatening to publish intimate photos of him, including a below-the-belt selfie and potentially compromising photo of his reported girlfriend, if he did not end an investigation into the company and its alleged political ties. A security consultant for Bezos believes the photos may have been acquired by a government entity, according to The Washington Post. The National Enquirer published a story last month that included lurid texts between he and his girlfriend. Since then, private investigators for the billionaire have been looking into how the Enquirer got those texts that, uh, set off, according to Bezos, a threat of, uh, to back off or risk having the personal photos exposed. What an age we live in. I guess you begin by not taking pictures of yourself that you wouldn't want your mother to see because the chances of things somehow leaking out or being acquired um, seems pretty high. Well, after a tense back and forth between Congressional Democrats and the Justice Department that included threats of no-shows and subpoenas, House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jerry Nadler and the Department of Justice announced um, last night that Acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker would testify before the panel as scheduled today. Well, that testimony did take place, but as you might expect, it was contentious. House Democrats had threatened to subpoena Whitaker's testimony about special counsel Robert Mueller's uh, Russian probe, rather. In response, Whitaker, who previously had agreed to testify in the first place, warned that he wouldn't show up unless lawmakers dropped the ultimatum he described as political theater. John Dingell, the longest serving member in the history of Congress, died yesterday at age ninety two. Dingled served 21,572 days in Congress from December of 1955 through January of 2015. He succeeded his father in the House of Representatives. He is survived by his wife, Debbie, who currently holds his House seat and four children. The cause of death wasn't immediately known, but he was 92. The Michigan Democrat was considered an authority on congressional procedure akin to the legendary Senator Robert Byrd who didn't go in blackface, but he was um, one of the higher-ups in the Ku Klux Klan. Apparently that was okay. We're a little confused about where the standard is. Dingell was best known for his legislative skills, deep reverence for history, and a stinging wit. He was nicknamed the truck during his longtime tenure as chair of the House Energy and Commerce Committee. The congressman from Detroit fueled the passage of many landmark measures, including health care reform, energy regulations, and telecommunications expansion. And on this day in 2018, the federal government stumbles into a shutdown that would only end by morning. Uh, Its seconds uh, is um, uh, in less than a month uh, as Senate Republicans block a speedy vote on a passage bipartisan budget busting spending deal. Oh, for those good old days. And on this day in 1993, General Motors sues NBC, alleging that Dateline NBC had rigged two car truck crashes to show that the 1973 to 87 GM pickups were prone to fires inside impact crashes. NBC would settle the lawsuit the following day and apologize for its unscientific demonstration. And on this day in 1965, by the way, that was back when an apology actually meant something. It was given and then accepted and people moved on. And on this day in nineteen sixty seven, the Supreme's record, Stop in the Name of Love, is released by Motown. By the way, I knew all the hand signals for that uh, for that song, and yeah, Clark doesn't seem all that interested in seeing them, but I do know it by heart. In the name On February 15th, another partial government shutdown will commence if a budget deal remains elusive, according to ABC News. The 17-member committee charged with hashing out the border security deal in order to avert another government shutdown in seven days is inching closer to a deal, we're told. However, that does not mean the president will accept the compromise if it's absent funding for a border barrier or wall or obstruction, whatever you want to call it. If he doesn't, declaring a national emergency is even more likely. A Louisiana abortion law that imposed regulations on abortion clinics found disfavor with Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts. Roberts joined the Supreme Court's liberal wing on Thursday in temporarily blocking a Louisiana law that would have placed restrictions on abortion clinics. Uh, strangely, the Louisiana law is virtually identical to a Texas measure the justices struck down three years ago by a five three vote shortly after the death of Justice Antonin Scalia. Roberts dissented in that case when he was not a, a deciding vote and sided with the conservative minority that wanted to uphold the anti abortion law or pro life law, making his decision on Thursday a significant reversal is John Obamacare is a tax? Roberts once again playing politics? That's the question being asked. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. And uh, up next, we're going to hear from James Blend announcing a big deal coming up. Actually, we're not. We've got another segment to go. All right, never mind. We'll be back.
0: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. If you have not yet registered, now is the time to do that either online or at the door. But tomorrow is the 2019 Freedom Rally and your attendance is really vital. Well, the Oregon Freedom Rally is sponsored by the Oregon Liberty Alliance. That includes Oregon Family Council, Oregon Right to Life, Parents Education Association, Oregon Anti Crime Alliance, Common Sense for Oregon, a parent, I mentioned that one, Oregon Women's League, Taxpayer Defense Project, and Taxpayers Association of Oregon. These organizations come together to host this event to encourage and rally conservatives right here in the state of Oregon. And I know that may seem like an oxymoron, but yes, we are a part of this state as well. Now, as I mentioned, and this is really an important event for uh, conservatives and believers in this community. The rally is Oregon's premier annual event for grassroots conservatives. And you won't want to miss it. Oregon is at a crossroads and we have to continue to advocate for what is uh, right and in the best interest of the broader community. Now, this year, and again, we're talking about tomorrow, Saturday, it's going to be held at the Holiday Inn at the Portland airport um, that's on Northeast Columbia Boulevard and registration opens at 11 the cost is $40 per person and lunch is included. And it's worth every penny uh, youth under 16 are free. So make note of that to register. There are a couple of things you can do. You can call 503-257-0444 again, that telephone number 503 503- Two five seven zero four four four, or you can go to OregonFreedomRally.com. dot uh, com. Also, you can join a, a special book signing. There are opportunities after the rally as well. Well, this year, after uh, as part of the sixth annual Oregon Freedom Rally, conservative women take center stage. In fact, we had um, scheduled a conversation with Kristen Wagoner, who's one of the four women. Who are um, featured speakers this year? We had some difficulty with, at our end, with the phone line, so I'm so sorry you won't have an opportunity to hear from her. But Kristen is, uh, serves as senior vice president of the U.S. Legal Division with Alliance Defending Freedom. Since she assumed that role, ADF has prevailed in eight U.S. Supreme Court victories, including the Masterpiece Cake Shop uh, case, which she argued at the Supreme Court and won. She continues as lead counsel in America's. Uh, rather Arlene's Flowers case and was counsel for the free speech victory for Pregnancy Resource Centers in Nifla versus Bacara so she has played a significant role in protecting religious freedom and the freedom of speech in this country. She's going to be at this 6th Annual Oregon Freedom Rally tomorrow. Also, Carol Tobias, and this could not be more timely. She is president of the National Right to Life Committee. She served uh, on the uh, committee board of uh, directors since 1987 and in 1991 uh, was hired uh, as uh, National Right to Life Committee political director until 2005. During her tenure, pro-life majorities were elected to both the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S senate she has appeared on many television and radio programs has been quoted in the new york times the wall street journal washington post los angeles times and usa today she will be right here in portland at the freedom rally um uh, Kaylee McNanny will also be speaking. She's the acting national spokesperson for the Republican National Committee and author of The New American Revolution, The Making of a Populist Movement. During the 2016 presidential election, Kaylee appeared nightly on CNN, was featured on election night convention and presidential debate panels. Before joining CNN, Kaylee appeared on ABC's The View and was regularly featured on various Fox News and Fox Business programs. Kaylee will be here for the sixth annual Oregon Freedom Rally, where conservative women will take center stage. And rounding out the crew, Star Parker is the founder and president of the Center for Urban Renewal and Education, also known as cure she has a fascinating story which leads a, her organization leads a network of 800 pastors serving in at-risk communities across the country star hosts blackcommunitynews.com a leading internet news network that's provided conservative information to more than 2 million viewers since 2015 she's a nationally syndicated columnist and a best-selling author she will be at the 6th annual oregon freedom rally tomorrow again, at the Holiday Inn Airport right here in Portland. There also is going to be a special guest. He won't be wearing a skirt, but it is um, Congressman Greg Walden. And I have to say, for the last couple of years as I've attended, my uh, regard for Congressman Walden has only increased. He's articulate, he gets it, and he's on the right side of, of issues. He's going to be speaking as well. And if you haven't had the opportunity to hear Congressman Greg Walden, let me encourage you. Uh, to to come to hear him because I think you'll be encouraged as an Oregonian. Now again, you can register in a couple of ways. You can register at OregonFreedomRally dot com. That's OregonFreedomRally dot com, or you can call five zero three two five seven zero four 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 five zero three. Two five seven zero four four four, and the event uh, the the registration begins at eleven o'clock at the Holiday Inn Airport in Portland on Northeast Columbia Boulevard. And uh, I want to also in, invite you to uh, join us for special book signing opportunities after the rally. So there are materials there. Lunch is included in the registration, and again, that's forty dollars per person. Lunch is included, and youth under 16 are free. Now, the Oregon Liberty Alliance includes Oregon Family Council, Oregon Right to Life, um, Oregon Anti-Crime Alliance, Parents Education Association, the Oregon Women's League, Taxpayer Defense Project, uh, Taxpayers Association of Oregon, and Common Sense for Oregon, uh, all sponsoring this event, uh, the 2019 Freedom Rally. There's a rare opportunity here to hear from uh, conservative commentators from across the country. And I want to encourage you to join us for that. I, I will guarantee you that the rest of the state takes note. And one of the reasons that this event takes place is that the convention that was once held in, uh, in uh, the Salem area or at the coast where conservatives were once welcome is no longer the case. And so this is a response to the unwelcome mat being, um, well, rolled up. Uh, and sort of uh, making conservatives unwelcome in the state of Oregon. So this this is an opportunity to not only attend, hear some great words of encouragement and inspiration, but also to send a message to lawmakers all across the state that, yeah, we exist. We are a, um, a vital part of the state of Oregon. And uh, again, you can be encouraged, inspired, well-informed, and there'll be a book signing you'll have an opportunity to hear from and talk with Uh, The presenters, there'll be booths there from a number of organizations, all at the 2019 Freedom Rally. This is the sixth annual event, and we hope that you will be there. Again, at the Holiday Inn Airport in Portland on Northeast Columbia Boulevard, registration opens at 11. And this is Oregon's premier annual event for grassroots conservatives. You won't want to miss it. Oregon is at a crossroads, and you need to be there to help advocate for views that you believe, as I do, we can live with. All right. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. When we come back, we're going to hear from James Blend making an announcement about an event that KPDQ is sponsoring for your enjoyment. So stick around for that. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show.
0: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You are listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Now, joining me now is James Blend, who, of course, is the producer of this program with a special announcement. Now, for those of you who have listened to KPDQ for many years, you know that the Gospel Sing has been a featured program on this station for many, many, many. It's been longer than uh, since I've been here. And James, uh, we're going to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Gospel Sing in a very special way. Tell us about what's coming up.
1: Absolutely. In fact, uh, we, you know, the Gospel Sing has been on KPQ's airways for over 50 years.
2: Over 50
1: years. Over 50 years, and uh, we finally um have an event I think is worthy of the Gospel Sing named and uh it is called simply Gospel Sing Live.
2: Gospel Sing Live. Now, we're many of us are familiar with the uh the music program that our sister station the Fish Fish Fest uh, Mm -hmm. puts on, and that's a big, uh, big event. Absolutely. Tell us about this Gospel Sing Live, which really rivals Fish Fest and will be in the same location.
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, not that we'll start any uh, turf wars necessarily (laughs) over the two, uh, since especially I work with both uh, festivals. But uh, it is an evening of uh, Southern Gospel music, and uh, it will be on August 16th, which is a Friday night at Riverfront Park in Salem. And uh, it will be, uh, like I said, three hours of fantastic Southern gospel music, and we're really, really excited about being able to bring this to the KPDQ audience, and especially the, uh, the KPDQ audience that loves Southern gospel. And if you don't, this is a great primer to get into it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Now, this is the longest-running, if I'm not mistaken, program that KPDQ has produced for over 50 years. Yes. And Gospel Sing Live will feature Wes Hampton. He's best known as a tenor vocalist since 2005 with a Gaither vocal band, so he'll be bringing his uh, high notes to the event, Tribute Quartet will be featured, a multiple nominee of the Singing News uh, Awards, a Dove nominee, and one of the most popular quartets of the last 10 years, Tribute Quartet, and the Booth Brothers, one of the top acts in Southern gospel music. This second generation of the group started in 1990, continues to tour and record regularly. They've also been nominated for Dove Awards and a Grammy. So we've got Wes Hampson, Hampton, rather, Tribute Quartet, and the Booth Brothers all coming right here.
1: Absolutely. It's going to be a great night. I am so excited that we have these these artists to be able to get Wes away from the Gaither Vocal Band for a night and uh, perform for us. And Tribute Quartet and the Booth Brothers are just a, it's a fantastic... Uh, lineup, and I think everybody's going to be really happy with it.
2: Oh, absolutely. And if you're a fan of Southern Gospel music, you're going to want to make note. We're, again, we're talking about Friday, August the 16th, 7 o'clock p.m. at Riverfront Park in Salem. It's an evening of great Southern Gospel music in celebration of over 50 years of the Gospel Sing. Now, tickets, when are they going to be made available? And I think there's a bit of a special thing coming.
1: Absolutely. Tickets will go on sale Monday morning, uh, rain or shine. So if it's snowing out, they still go on sale. Uh, Monday morning at 9 a.m. at kpdq.com. Just look for the banner that says Gospel Sing Live, uh, which should be up there right now as we speak. Um, and you just uh, go there and purchase your tickets. Um, however, as you mentioned, something special. Tomorrow night, the Gospel Sing, of course, on the air for the probably millionth straight Saturday <laughs> night. Um, it also, rain or shine. And uh, if you listen uh, throughout the evening... Our, our good friend Clark Hilton, uh, who hosts that program, uh, will be giving you a special code to pre-buy early seats, Wow! Uh, which will uh, be on sale starting with the beginning of the gospel sing and all the way through to uh, midnight on on Sunday night. So uh, you'll have a day and a half there to uh, buy tickets. But the only way you can get that code, the only way it will be available is literally listening to Clark Hilton on the Gospel Sing tomorrow night.
2: So again, there's a pre-sale tomorrow night on Saturday through Sunday at midnight. The only way you're going to get these pre-sale codes uh, in order to buy these tickets is to listen tomorrow night to Clark on the Gospel Sing between 7 p.m. and midnight and uh, twice an hour, he's going to give the code to buy early bird tickets. Again, we're talking about Gospel Sing Live coming up on Friday, August the 16th, 7 o'clock p.m. at Riverfront Park in Salem. It's an evening of great Southern gospel music in celebration of over 50 years of the gospel sing right here on KPDQ. Featuring Wes Hampton, Wes is best known as a tenor vocalist, a tribute quartet, a multiple uh, nominee for singing awards, and the Booth Brothers, one of the top acts in Southern gospel music this second second generation group started in uh, 1990. They're going to be right here in Salem at Riverfront Park in Salem, which is redundant, but you get the idea. Well, this is pretty exciting. To my knowledge, we haven't done anything quite like this before.
1: No, and I'm hoping, uh, I'm hoping a lot of people come out because uh, maybe if they do, we'll get to do it again.
2: Well, that would be great. Now, again, we want to remind you that tickets uh, go on sale Monday at 9 a.m. You can go to kpdq.com for all the important details there. Look for the Gospel Sing live banner. You'll find the banner there now, but the ticket sales begin on uh, Monday. But there is an opportunity for... Pre sale, and that's tomorrow night. Listen to the gospel sing, and that will continue through Sunday at midnight. But you're only going to get the pre sale code when you listen tomorrow night to Clark hosting the gospel sing between 7 p.m. and midnight. And twice an hour, he's going to give that code to buy early bird tickets. So congratulations to you James. I know that you were instrumental in putting all of this together and it's going to be a great evening of gospel music. We want to invite all of KPDQ listeners to uh, to join us for this this big southern gospel event. Absolutely. All right. Again, go to kpdq.com look for the Gospel Sing Live banner. I'd also encourage you to listen to Gospel Sing that will be tomorrow night 7 to midnight. Clark Hilton, the host of that show, uh, will be offering a, offering rather a pre-sale code, and that will give you access early. You can brag to all your friends Sunday morning when people ask you, how are you doing? You can lead with, yeah, well, I got my tickets for the Gospel Sing Live. Hey, thanks, James. Appreciate your uh, taking the time to talk with us about it. And again, we want to encourage our listeners. Friday, August the 16th, 7 o'clock p.m., Riverfront Park in Salem. Mark your calendars. An evening of great Southern Gospel music.
0: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. is aired on ninety three point nine KPDQ.
2: We're back. Forty eight minutes after four o'clock is the time. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. On a Friday afternoon, I know it hasn't seemed like that up to this point, but it really is a fun Friday afternoon. And we're going to take a look at some of the lighter side of the news. Okay, Clark, you might want to weigh in on this. This is the latest I have with regard to the weather. Two to four inches of snow is expected to fall in the Portland metro area beginning tonight. Do you buy that? Continuing into Saturday, according to one local meteorologist. Are you buying that version?
3: You know, it was two to four earlier today. It is... Since become more like 1 to 3? 1 to 3. It, it it depends. We're supposed to have rain this afternoon, too. It hasn't been raining.
2: Well, and he said uh, rain will be falling in Portland Friday night and then transition to snow. They expect that transition to begin between 9 p.m. and midnight. Uh, that could be sooner north of Portland and later for areas south of the Rose City.
3: Yeah, there's. I read something about they call it the warm tongue that's coming up kind of the corridor uh southerly breeze it's uh-huh. keeping things from freezing so yeah i i don't know Sorry. i'm beginning to think th- that this first round is not going to be quite yeah as bad as they had thought
2: I'm so disappointed because I've just squandered all this effort to panic and now I don't have an opportunity to implement so I'm not sure yeah. what I'm going to do. By the way, the National Weather Service issued a winter weather advisory from 7 p.m. to 4 7 p.m. tonight through 4 p.m. tomorrow. They warned that the transition from rain to snow could start during the evening commute. So we'll I will see.
3: That's that's not going to happen. We're the I don't evening think commute so. is over in about an hour and a half. So we're going to get some snow. Um But there's a good chance then that we warm up tomorrow. I mean, the last high I saw was 33 for tomorrow, which is still really cold. But that could start some thawing Yeah. before another round possibly comes in Sunday night. But again, who knows how much that will be?
2: Well, I thought this was uh, kind of funny. ABC News was reporting on a cat who literally froze to death, has been revived after being found in Montana in a snowbank. And if you could see the picture, it is literally... Um, covered in what looks like matted snow. Um, A very lucky cat in Montana is happy and healthy after thawing out, literally, at an animal uh, clinic over the past week following a miraculous rescue. The owners of Fluffy, who live in Montana in the far northwest corner of the state, found her in the snowbank on the 31st of January, unresponsive with her fur matted with ice. Um... The low in nearby whitefish was a bone chilling 8 degrees on the 31st of January, and they had received about 16 inches of snow for the month. They actually had real snow. Anyway, they brought Fluffy to the clinic. Her temperature was so slow it didn't even register on the thermometer with a button range of 90 degrees. According to uh, uh, Clark, cats' temperatures normally are around 101 degrees. Well, after about two hours of using warm water and blankets, the cat's temperature was still too low. So they took her to an emergency room. After a few hours, Fluffy finally began to show signs of recovery. So there's hope for us, even if snowpocalypse does materialize here in the the area. The unfrozen Fluffy is showcasing her beautiful long fur today. One change for Fluffy, though, she now is an indoor cat. So there's hope for those who find themselves uh, trapped in no apocalypse or snow apocalypse. You can decide which is, uh, which is which. Well, customers of a Canadian cryptocurrency exchange are reportedly unable to access some $190 million of funds after the company's founder died with the passwords needed to access the money. Gerald Cotton, the 30-year-old founder of um, Quadric, I think it's Quadringa CX, died due to complications with Crohn's disease, according to Sky News, citing his wife. Uh, The executive reportedly passed away in December while traveling in India to open an orphanage. He was doing good work, citing a sworn affidavit by Robertson as she uh, filed for credit protection. Sky News reports that uh, Cotton held sole responsibility for handling the funds and coins. About one hundred and ninety million dollars in cryptocurrency and traditional money is said to be in cold storage with the digital key held by cotton. Uh, Apparently there was no backup. And while um, his wife has his laptop, she doesn't know its password. And even a security expert has been unable to get past the device's encryption. That would be disappointing, to put it mildly. One hundred and ninety million dollars. They cannot access. Well, if it does uh, get cold, KFC may have the answer for you. They're offering a Colonel Sanders bearskin rug as part of the Valentine's Day giveaway. Now, when I say Colonel Sanders bearskin rug, that's precisely what I mean. It's got the fluffy fur, but it has the hands, the feet and the head of Colonel Sanders. They've already provided the firewood and the scented candles. So it only makes sense that they would try to complete the seductive trifecta With a bear skin or rather a colonel skin rug. The fast food chain is offering its biggest fans the chance to win just such an item. As part of a Valentine's Day contest designed to supply the lucky winner with KFC themed date nights for a year. So for a whole year you can take your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband or wife to KFC. And when you come home the colonel will be sprawled out on the floor. So that you can cuddle up and watch television. I'm no dating expert, but the only thing I can think of that's more romantic than eating fried chicken on Valentine's Day is eating fried chicken on a faux bearskin rug created in the likeness of the greatest chicken salesman of all time. The chief marketing officer for KFC is quoted as having said. KFC is also giving fans three different opportunities to enter the contest, which is currently accepting submissions via Reddit, to enter, bizarre rug enthusiasts have the choice of using Photoshop, submitting a narrative uh, which centers on a KFC-themed romantic vignette, drawing a uh, one-of-a-kind art piece depicting their ideal romantic evening inspired by the Colonel Sanders faux rug, of course. And uh, part of the prize package, winners will, uh, will not only receive the limited-edition faux bearskin rug that looks like the Colonel Um, But also a pair of chicken-themed pajama onesies, KFC gift card, and a year's worth of access to an online streaming service. Wow. You decided what you're going to do for your wife? This might be it. Wouldn't she be thrilled? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So how long do you think you'd sleep on the couch after that one? A while. It would be a (laughs) while. Yeah.
3: At least the guest bed is comfy.
2: Well, there is that.
3: Yeah.
2: And you'd have all the chicken you'd want for a year. There's something... Probably
3: to the point where I wouldn't want chicken ever again.
2: (laughs) You'd be sick to death of chicken. There's something creepy going on in Canada. People have been um, complaining that something's been zapping the power out of their key fobs, draining their car batteries, and triggering their alarms in a parking lot outside of Westview Co-op grocery store, uh, a small town about 40 miles north of Calgary. People are actually scared to go to the co-op now because they don't know if their cars are going to start. That's uh, a quote from a longtime employee at the dollar store across the street from the co-op. Well, um, people come into the store to buy replacement batteries for their fobs because they're, um, they assume a simple switch out will work. But it doesn't. Uh, the curious case has local electricians stumped. I think it's frustrating, says one. The store's asset protection manager told CBC uh, to see the level of frustration uh, for our team and our guests is uh, where our concern is. That's why we're taking extra steps to ensure we're driving uh, the solution. So far, electricians have been uh, rather have tried shutting down the power, the goal to uh, rule out the possibility that the problem is arising from the building or the parking lot. Now, that location can't be changed, obviously. There's awful, they've also tested the equipment, and still they can't figure out what's causing the eerie outages. So kind of a mystery there, just 40 miles outside of Calgary, and they thus far haven't been able to come up with anything. That is truly a, a mystery, well, a runner in Colorado killed an attacking mountain lion with his bare hands and not without some injury. Police have ruled the man uh, killed the lion in self-defense. Well, this runner was attacked by the lion, and so he attacked back. The trail runner in Colorado was injured in that uh, attack on Monday afternoon in Horsetooth Mountain open space, killing the animal in the process. The man managed to hike to a local hospital to have his wounds attended to while police were notified of the incident. What made this all the more astounding was that the runner didn't have any kind of weapon with him. He killed the mountain lion with his bare hands. The cat is described as a juvenile mountain lion, and police have ruled the man. Uh, killed the animal um, out of um, necessity. These kinds of attacks are rare in Colorado, according to a representative for Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Mountain lions attacks... are not common there, and if uh, it 's unfortunate that the lion 's hunting instincts were triggered by the runner, uh, says one of the representatives, this could have been a very different outcome, as we all might imagine. Another representative from the uh, the park said the runner did exactly what uh, the situation called for. The runner did everything he could to save his life in the event of a lion attack. You need to do. Anything in your power to fight back, just as this gentleman did, the northern region ma- regional manager, uh, said. The exact size of the mountain lion is unknown at this time, and sizes uh, inside the species vary greatly depending on the region. However, it's most likely the animal weighed about 65 to 85 pounds, no small thing, and was three to four feet in length, making it roughly the size of a German shepherd, but an angry lion instead. An autopsy was carried out and confirmed the man's account of... The incident. Wow, that's um, quite something. I don't know if you watch uh, basketball, but NBA veteran Harrison Barnes reportedly knew he was on the verge of being traded. But judging by his on-camera reaction, he didn't expect it to uh, expect the deal rather to go through in the middle of the game. Well, since the Dallas Mavericks were in the middle of the, uh, of the game against the Charlotte Hornets, when the trade with the Sacramento Kings was announced, Barnes awkwardly was forced to sit in basketball purgatory for the rest of the game, warming the bench for a team he was no longer a part of, but he was still technically a member of. Um, cameras caught Barnes, 26-year-old, sitting on the bench in the fourth quarter on Wednesday, and his surprised reaction was widely shared on social media. Benched right in the middle of the game. All right, we've got news and traffic coming up at the top of the hour. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back.
0: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. is aired on ninety three point nine KPDQ.
2: Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend is producing. Clark Hilton is engineering this afternoon. Well, today is uh, Friday, so we're taking a look at some of the lighter side of the news. A new study says that Americans think about food 240 hours per year. Now, thinking about it and doing something about it are two different things. But if you're focusing on your eating habits in 2019, then be mindful of the clock striking 2.41 p.m. A survey of 2,000 Americans found that the, it's, uh, that is the specific time of day when willpower is most tested and cravings strike hardest. 2.41 p.m. Uh, and while the mid-afternoon uh, lull seems, um, sees food temptation most commonly strike, Americans think about food on average four times a day and spend 40 minutes per day purely thinking about food, according to the study. That adds up to more than 240 hours per year, or the equivalent of over 10 solid 24-hour 24 24 days. The new study conducted by one poll on behalf of Blue Diamond Almonds Hmm. Unearth the details surrounding American food cravings and discovered that people tend to succumb to their cravings an average of four times a week. So 2.41 p.m., mark your clocks. Well, if you're concerned about your eating habits and the calories associated with them, Experts are weighing in on um, the latest diet craze, and that is celery juice. It's an elaborate lie, they say. Last September, Sarah Joy Madsen, she started drinking 16 ounces of fresh, pure celery juice every morning. I mean, you can chew celery, and that's essentially all it is, with a few strings attached. And it changed my life, the 39-year-old life coach told The Post. In a matter of months, the Park Slope resident says uh, she effortlessly, effortlessly lost 20 pounds with her five foot eight frame shrinking from 190 pounds to 170 pounds. She also says her skin became clearer, her mood's more stable. I'm calmer, more patient, more compassionate. She says, best of all, she's proud of herself for sticking to it because I do it every day. I get like um, this charge, like, Oh my goodness. She used other words. I accomplished something. So the celery diet. And I think Clark, you have celery every day in your lunch. But it's part of a more balanced diet, would that be accurate? The
3: most disgusting thing I have ever had in my life was celery juice.
2: I can't even imagine it. My
3: grandmother made it when juicing sort of became a thing in the late 70s. Oh, I can still picture it. It was this dark green, and it was sweet, and it... It was chunky.
2: (laughs) I mean, the best thing about celery is its texture. It's got a nice crunch. It has little strings in it, depending on which part of the stock that you have. I mean, that's the thing that makes celery worth having. It doesn't really have much flavor. I can't imagine once you juice it that there's much there. Like I
3: said, worst thing I've ever tasted in my life. Mm.
2: Well, in certain health and wellness circles, celery juice is the latest miracle elixir. Companies like um, Pressed Juicery and Juice Press offer... Uh, pricey bottle versions, of course, if you charge more than somehow it's supposed to do more. On Instagram, more than 68,000 posts are tagged with hashtag celery juice and more than 17,000 posts bear the label hashtag celery juice benefits. People post dramatic before and after pictures that showcase how celery juice has seemingly cured their crippling psoriasis or the digestive issues that uh, left them uncomfortably bloated. Celebs are drinking the veggie Kool-Aid, too. Earlier this month, Debbie Messing, uh, she tweeted that her New Year's resolution, number one, was upping her morning celery juice from 8 ounces to 20 ounces. Well, the trend traces back to um, Anthony Williams, a Los Angeles-based health guru who calls himself the medical medium and the originator of the global celery juice movement. It's a powerful herbal medicine that kills bugs in people's bodies. William said he has 1.4 million Instagram followers. So it must be true. I mean, if you have followers and you make a claim, those sheer numbers um, mean it's absolutely true and reliable rather than what science and other experts may have to say, but many question the science or lack thereof behind the so-called veggie panacea. So if you're bored this weekend, if the snow falls, uh, you might want to make sure you have some celery. You can juice that, and there you have it. It's going to be a real healthy snack. By the way, February is National Snack Food Month. Now, lots of people are snackers. I know I enjoy a snack now and then, but this is National Snack Food Month. What's your favorite snack, Clark, besides celery? He's
3: yeah, wondering. I don't know.
2: Yeah, I don't really have a favorite yeah. snack. Yeah. I guess this doesn't mean a whole lot to you and I. No. Sorry. <laughs> well, um, an Israeli startup just made the first slaughter-free steak. It's a lab-grown sirloin. We're shaping the fu- future rather, of the meat industry, literally, says the CEO and founder of the slaughter-free steak. Now, I'm a little suspect of what this is. I mean, celery juice and slaughter-free steak. While the founder has announced a world's first, a slaughter-free steak. The Israeli startup's cellular innovation apparently delivers the full experience of meat with the appearance, shape and texture of beef cuts. Lab-grown meat is produced without killing animals. And while Alpha Farms is not alone in its pursuit, the company is breaking ground by replicating meat's texture and structure in 3D. Creating lab-grown ground meat is difficult enough Uh, says the co-founder and CEO, let alone making an entire steak. Meat is a complex tissue. Uh, This breakthrough includes various cell types found in conventional cuts of meat grown together outside the animal to form a 3D structure similar to meat, but using more sustainable, safe, and ethical methods, he explains in a video. Uh, These first cell-based meat cuts demonstrate our capability of achieving our vision of growing steak. You interested? Well,
3: you're full of the interesting questions today, aren't you?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I want a lab-grown steak.
3: I think that's the way things are going. I mean, have you had the Impossible Burger before?
2: I have not, and I will not be having a, a um, piece of celery that's been pureed.
3: The Impossible Burger um, is really something else. What is it? Uh, it's a vegetarian burger, but it
2: tastes like and has the
3: texture of beef. It even looks like it.
2: But it's a vegetable burger. I know what a vegetable is. This, I don't know.
3: No, but uh, growing these kind of things in labs, that I have heard is kind of the... yeah. Which Uh, helps with all sorts of different things. Cuts down on the greenhouse gases and the slaughter. There have been interesting points made about how the agriculture business is not really how... When it comes to eating animals, they were designed to be... I mean, it's like a factory. That's just not how... Well, that's
2: true. I think we could certainly reform that. I'm just saying I'm not interested in a steak that came out of a Petri dish.
3: Well, you asked for my opinion, so I'm giving it to (laughs) you.
2: I'm just asking, would you eat it?
3: Yeah, I would.
2: Well, there's a market then. Yeah. We'll go to Ruth's Chris. I'll get mine there and you can... African and I'll walk out dish. feeling
3: better than you. Well, if maybe I have so, the petri but I'll have a one. smile
2: on my face. Let me let me tell you. Well, Cherry Coke is going to have some new competition. Coca-Cola announced on Friday it's releasing two new fruit flavored varieties to its lineup for the first time in more than a decade. Orange Vanilla Coke and Orange Vanilla Coke Zero Sugar. They're scheduled to hit the shelves on the 25th of February. I think I might be interested in one of them after succeeding. Uh, successful tests in canada and while reports suggest this is the first time the flavors will be available in the u.s several people online have shared photos of the soda over the last two months claiming to have already tested it Uh, however it's unclear where they got the beverage according to uh, delish the soda tastes similar to a uh, creamsicle with notes of cola flavored mix now that's a petri dish right there coca-cola does not arrive out of arise out of some natural source, but I would drink one. All right, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show.
0: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: We're back. You're listening to the final segment of the Georgine Rice Show. I hope you are looking forward to gospel sing live coming to the uh, Salem area in August. Well the big question is snowpocalypse or bust. I'm hearing all kinds of wild numbers in terms of how much snow we're actually going to get. The truth is, we don't really know. I was in Salem earlier today, and it was snowing there. There were very light flakes. It was beautiful. But, um, you know, we didn't have the heavy snow that many have been predicting. I've now heard numbers as high as, um, what was it we heard from uh, James earlier today? 19 inches or something. I'm not sure if he was being serious or if he was making a joke, but What we do know is we're likely to get some snow. How much is anybody's guess? So I hope you are prepared for whatever happens. I know some things have been canceled in anticipation of the possibility of uh, snow, but we're all looking forward to being back here at KPDQ uh, on Monday to report on what either did or did not happen. What's coming up on Monday here on the show? We're going to talk with Andy Walsh. He is the author of Faith Across the Multiverse. Parables from Modern Science. We're also going to talk with Phyllis Bennett and Karen Howells. Phyllis Bennett uh, is going to join us from Western Seminary. Karen Howells is going to be the featured speaker at Ignite. This year, the theme is Ignite the Wonder. That's coming up in just a few weeks. You can check them out online, and I would encourage you to register. In fact, pre-registration costs are still low, so check that out. Looking forward to uh, playing a part. I've been asked to host a panel of women um, you can find out all the details of who the presenters will be and so on. But Karen Howells will be the plenary speaker for the sessions throughout the day. And that's coming up on March the 2nd. On Tuesday, we'll talk with Scott uh, Kadresha, author of Ready or Not, spelling the word not with a K. We're talking about people who are anticipating marriage. Twelve conversations every couple needs to have before marriage. So if you're thinking about it, this is a good resource for you. or If you know someone who is uh, planning on or anticipating marriage, uh, here's a resource for them. On Wednesday, we'll talk with Steve Van Horn. He has been a guest on this program, but it's been a long, long time. He's with Item Ministries, and he reaches out and ministers to leaders all across the globe, training them and equipping them to be good teachers of the Bible. So I'm looking forward to catching up with Steve Van Horn. He's so often out of the country or traveling I'm looking forward to pinning him down for a few minutes and giving him the opportunity to, uh, uh, to share with us. And then on Thursday, we'll talk with Rita Dunaway. She's the author of Restoring America's Soul, Advancing Timeless Conservative Principles in a Wayward Culture. And uh, we'll give her an opportunity to talk a little bit more about, um, about her book. And then on Friday, as is typically the case, we will lighten up and look forward to uh, just sharing some of the lighter side of the news. There's a lot coming up this next uh, this next week uh, in terms of what's happening in Washington, and of course, the deadline approaches uh, for whether or not there's going to be another government shutdown. We don't know what the outcome will be. We're being told that there. Uh, getting closer to um, making some sort of a decision, but that has not yet been resolved. And failure to do so would mean a resumption of the uh, government shutdown. If there's some sort of agreement, the question is whether or not that it would include funding for a wall. In the absence of uh, that uh, funding, uh, the question is whether or not, first, the president would sign it, and secondly, whether or not he would declare an emergency So a lot going on uh, next week. We continue to have the attorney general or the acting attorney general uh, as he is being uh, grilled uh, for that post uh, in the Senate and just much, much more. So it's going to be a very busy week and we'll spend Monday through Thursday focusing uh, on that very thing. Next week also includes, of course, Valentine's Day. I know not everybody observes Valentine's Day but uh, we'll spend a little time talking about the nature of love and how important it is in relationships whether they're romantic or not and where to find the kind that uh, that most of us would agree we need I didn't get a chance to cover a couple of things earlier I wanted to mention that House Democrats have twice refused now to take up the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act For consideration, that measure is designed to ensure that any infant who's born alive after an abortion receives the same protection of uh, law as any newborn, mandating care, instituting penalties for doctors who allow such an infant to die. And by the way, yes, that does happen. And who intentionally kill a newborn, they would be held accountable, according to a statement from the office of its sponsor, Representative Ann wagner Out of Missouri. So there has been a refusal to take that measure up. Meanwhile, Massachusetts Democrats have taken a page from New York's radical left and are pushing a bill to legalize abortion at any time during the pregnancy. That's right up till birth. Um, The bill would get rid of the uh, grave impairment language so that an abortion could take place after 24 weeks if the pregnancy risks her physical or mental health. And again, that is uh, defined so broadly that inconvenience would fall under mental health or in cases of lethal, uh, fatal, fetal anomalies or where the fetus is incompatible with sustained life outside the womb. Now, you wouldn't allow the child to die naturally. This would uh, endorse Ending the child's life artificially, of course, physical or mental health is an ambiguous term intended to permit abortion on demand. On Tuesday, Senator Amy Klobuchar uh, intimated that uh, I'm making a big announcement on Sunday. But according to the Daily Signal, her intention to announce a possible presidential campaign this weekend may have to wait. After a report emerged on Wednesday night, alleging that she is cruel and potentially abusive to her staff, at least three campaign manager prospects have reportedly backed out, all of whom cited the senator's propensity for belligerent behavior. That may not be a disqualifying Element These days, but nonetheless, we'll see if that announcement is made on Sunday and the end of an era. I mentioned earlier that John Dingell, the longest serving member of Congress who played a key role in many pieces of landmark legislation, has died. He was 92. He was diagnosed with prostate cancer last year. Congressman Dingell died peacefully at his home in Dearborn, surrounded by his family, including his wife. The Associated Press reports that the Army is developing a new, more grueling and complex fitness exam that adds deadlifts, power throws and other exercises designed to make soldiers more fit and ready for combat. The impetus behind it all, apparently commanders have complained in recent years that the soldiers they get out of uh, basic training just aren't fit enough. Also, unlike the old fitness test, which graded soldiers differently based on their age and gender, the new one will be far more physically demanding and will not adjust the passing scores for older or female soldiers. So I guess I won't um, try to get in. The Daily Signal's uh, Nicholas Loris uh, says this. Here's the most important fact about the Green New Deal. It won't work. Ultimately, finally, uh, fully implemented, the Green New Deal would have no meaningful impact on global temperatures. See, I've already gone over that. Um, Salem, Oregon, as you know, the legislature is in session. Nearly 40 members of the Democrat controlled Oregon legislature announced uh, that they're leading the charge on a bill that would set the stage for universal health care here in Oregon. Late Thursday morning, a group of state senators filed Senate Bill 770, the health care for all Oregon bill which would create a, a board and set up other components necessary to establish the health care for Oregon plan to provide universal coverage throughout the state. The state action comes with efforts by Democrats in Congress to create Medicare for all. And like questions raised in that case, there's questions about how Oregon would pay for it. As for the Oregon bill so far, 37 senators have signed on as sponsors, according to the news release from the Oregon Senate Democrats, which continues Um, By saying health care is a basic human necessity and it would uh, it should be a right. Uh, We all need health care and you can't survive without it. Uh, We've uh, got to make sure that we get universal health care set up in Oregon so that none of us go bankrupt or die just because we get sick and don't have health insurance. Now, I'm wondering if they're going to shift the PERS um, deficit, which is in the billions for a uh, deficit in, well, similar billions over time for... Healthcare care for all. Again, the big question is always, you know, good intentions, uh, wonderful. How do you pay for it? That's the, uh, that's the question. So we'll continue to follow that in the Oregon legislature. Well, I want to, uh, again, encourage you to listen on uh, Monday. We'll certainly have some reflections on the weather. Uh, and we'll be talking with Andy Walsh, author of Faith Across the Multiverse, Phyllis Bennett and Karen Howells on Ignite the Wonder, coming to the Portland area on March the 2nd.